Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. And uh, we believe in God's word around here. We're going to speak truth and speak life. We're going to speak Jesus. And so I encourage you to get in your Bibles. Go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through verse 23. I speak out of NIV. Um, not sure if it's the biblical correct one, but it's the Bible and I speak from it and it's easier for me to understand. So this is what it says in verse 21. Can you make some noise when you get there so I know some of you? Before we jump into the Word, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a little backstory on this. And if, if we go back 2,000 years ago, um, this is Jesus teaching. And he's preaching probably the greatest sermon, greatest message of all time. And he's sitting at the Mount of Olives and he's speaking to these people. The Bible says that it's up to 5,000 people. Not sure exactly how many, but thousands of people. And he's on this mountain and he's speaking truth. And he's coming to a close in his message. And all these things before this, you you see um, in the Word of God that that he's just speaking truth and speaking life. And he's going to slap them with something that's real. It's all get out. That it's just going to punch them right in the face. That it's real and it's right in front of them. So go to verse 21. This is what it says. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22 says this, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And in verse 23, it says this, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So just for a moment, Jesus is speaking this incredible message. He's the greatest teacher, greatest preacher of all time. And he's given this word to thousands of people. And he gets to the end and he says, Many of you will claim this. You'll stand before judgment. And I'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. That so many people are are hit with the word of God and and they claim it, man. I believe in that and I got this and I'm going to walk it out. And one day they'll face judgment and only God knows. Let's break it down. Let's go to verse 21. This is what verse 21, it says it again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives. He's basically saying, guess what, people? It is not your way, okay? You cannot get to heaven all these mysterious ways. You have one way, and it's through Jesus. It's through God. There's only one way. It's God's way or no way, and you'll be in hell. That's what he says. His Bible is clear. And you're saying, you may think, well, well, that's a mean God. Well, why would God just, um, just give us one way and, and then the alternative is going to hell where I'll spend eternity in, in the lake of fire? Well, that's a mean God, but let's think about 2,000 years ago when, when Jesus was beaten. 
so that we could be healed. When they drug innocent Jesus, sinless Jesus to the cross and hit by hit, the nails driven through his hands, blood gushing from his body. And he said, this is so that you may live. Jesus was the only son that God sent sinless that had the power to defeat sin for us. So is God unfair to God give us an opportunity for a way out. And he's saying, I'm warning you. I'm warning you and I'm showing you that there is a way. And it was 2,000 years ago put on the cross and, and risen from the, the grave. And, and he came alive so that you may live. It's God's way or no way. Let's go to verse 22. This is what it says. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons and in your name perform any miracles? What day is he talking about? Judgment day. That's it. He's talking, he's referring to judgment day. The Bible is clear that there will be a day that we will stand before a holy God, a real God, and account for our lives. How you have chosen to live on earth will be the factor of where you spend eternal life. And you may think, man, this is kindergarten. But just for a moment, if we were standing up as a body of believers and we were changing this city, our government would be totally different. You may be worried and you may be scared and, and you may say that you believe, but is there any action involved? On that day of judgment day, the life that you lived, it will be accounted for you will stand judgment. It says, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, drive out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles? I mean, can you imagine this dude's Facebook page? Like, bro, I went to Bible College USA. I'm a master prophet. I'm a demon slayer. And, and guess what? I can kill anything that comes at me that's supernatural, and I'll take it all. But... Depart from me, I never knew you. These people that were standing in front of a holy God, Jesus is warning, this is telling us, that he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. This may be confusing, but, but you can only see and you can only imagine. It says this in verse 23, it says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. The most, something that you never want to hear come from the voice of God. Can you imagine those words of God speaking directly to you saying, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. Can you imagine the people that stand before God and they say these things? I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. I did many wonders and miracles in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Their reaction is going to be, but I thought. I mean, these people must have actually thought that they were doing what they were called to do. I mean, they must have thought that they were living the way that they should live. But that moment of rejection 
It's a great title for a message, but it's a terrible ending for eternal life. There is no mistake that you're here this morning. If you're, li- if you're listening via live stream or, or you're going back in a podcast or whatever it may be, there's no, there's no doubt that, that you're meant to be listening, hearing this for one specific purpose and reason. Now, some of you were drugged to church by your spouse. Some of you had to kick your teenagers out of the bed, jerk them by their ear, make them get into the shower, make them put on deodorant. I know that it's hard to get a family here. I'm sure I don't, I don't have my own, but I pray and I hope in my heart that we're all here for one specific reason, and that's to hear from God, to allow God to speak and pour into us. And I'm going to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to think about it. I don't want you just to answer it right off the bat. I want you to think in your mind and process it in your life, examine yourself, and I want you to truly think about this question. Are the verses that we talked about directed towards you? And you, can, and you can jump off and you say, man, I got it all together and I'm a Christian, I'm doing this thing and there's no way that they're written to me that, that you know what, I'm perfect and, 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 and I try my best and I'm a good person. And, but for a moment, let's think about it. Because it's so important. Every single one of us are gonna spend eternal life somewhere. Every single one of us are gonna spend eternal life somewhere and the only way to know that it's not hell is to examine yourself with this question. To examine yourself and say, are those verses for me? If it is, if those verses are for me, I need to change my life and I need to turn it around and and I'm not going to be afraid to do it. And if you say, you know what, Pastor Chris, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm a believer in Jesus and I'm walking this thing out, then you, my friend, are meant to help those that are not. You're meant to have a voice to speak to those who are not. You may think, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible good enough. I hear it from teenagers all the time. You don't have to know the Bible good enough. You just have to spread your testimony. Don't be afraid to share what God is doing in your life with someone around you. It's so important. It's so important that we grasp the gospel and that we walk it and that we live it out. Eternity is on its way, that that we are headed and and we're going to face judgment for our lives. But if we don't purify our hearts, if we don't search God and and let him search us and, and heal our brokenness and put us back together and form us and make us to be vessels for him, if we don't allow him to do that, you're shattered into a million pieces and you think you have it all together, but you're still a bunch of cracks. Let God be the glue and put you back together in a place where you're one, where you're purified, where you take his word and you speak it. So I'm going to ask you another question. This one's a little more light. You can calm down and I see the tension in the room. Sorry. How many of you, and, and you can raise your hand or you don't have to, have seen the show Early Edition? Anybody ever seen Early Edition? No longer comes on TV. Um, I happened to catch one or catch a few of them one time and that did, but it no longer comes on TV. And, and if you haven't seen Early Edition, I'm going to give you just a brief um, explaining of it. It's based at an, in, a, in Chicago, and it's this man, the main character's name is Gary. Now, 
Uh, here's what happens to Gary every morning at 6.30. Every morning at 6.30, Gary gets out of bed. He goes to his front door, and he opens the door, and there sits a cat. And with the cat, there's a newspaper. And every morning, Gary gets the newspaper, and he opens it up, and it's called the early edition. And it's all of the news for what's going to happen that day. And it's up to Gary to change the outcome, because normally it's a, a giant tragedy. Now, for me, I probably would have kicked the cat, or I would have probably stepped on the cat. And I'm sorry if you're a cat lover, because I just stepped on a nerve there, but, but we all know that all cats go, well, we don't want to say where cats go, but we know where dogs go. Okay, you're listening, that's good. But, but if you think about it, I mean, this guy would wake up every morning at 6.30, Gary, and he opens the door, and there's a cat, and there's a newspaper, and he opens up, and, and, and it may say something like, five people die. But by the end of the day, his objective is to run and, and go stop, and, and at the end of the day, it may be something like, bank robbery stopped. That's what, what, what Gary does. But, but let me tell you something about early edition. It's fiction. So it's not actually real. I mean, it's, it's definitely fiction. They just put it on TV and you're saying, well, Pastor Chris, why are you even telling me about this early edition? What does it matter and what does it have to do? I want you to think about this. Can anyone actually know the news before it happens? I mean, really, can anyone know the news before it actually happens? What if I told you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus preaching the greatest sermon of all time, he sits there and he says, this is your early edition. You know the news. You know what's at stake. You know what may happen. I'm warning you and I'm giving you this. And you may think that Jesus was saying, well, you're the one that's going to beat me and kill me and put me on the cross. You're the people that's going to do that. But can you imagine with tears running down Jesus' face, closing this message out? He says, I want you to know that many will come to me on that day with his arms open wide. And he's saying, I want them not to choose this, but I want them where they're at. And I want you for who you are. But many will say to me, and I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. When you picture the, the love of Jesus, Jesus just coming in and, and saying and pouring out the love of him that, that many will say, but, but here's your opportunity. Here's your early edition. Spread the good news of the gospel. Spread the love of me because that's the only way. That's the only way. Matthew 7 and verse 13 through 14. This is what the Bible says. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few will find it. I'm not here, and you say, well, well, Chris, you're trying to push something on me that makes me feel bad. No, I'm trying to do what Jesus did and preach his word. And say, you know what? Here's your early edition because I'm giving you something that's already been spoken to us. 
I'm not making this stuff up. Get into God's word. It will prepare you for what he wants you to do. Some of you are like, close my ears. I don't want to hear this right now. I'm a good enough Christian. I was baptized when I was six and I'm doing my thing. But here's the news. If every day you're not dying to yourself, if you're not laying your flesh down and saying, Jesus, open me up and live through me completely, it's no longer I who live, but you that live in me. Think about that question for a moment. But Pastor Chris, I got it all together. And my one response to you is, you're going to spend eternal life somewhere. And from the pits of hell, you may look up and and think, man, I wish I would have never heard the word of Jesus. I wish I would have never heard the word of Jesus because I didn't respond and, and I didn't know, but this is your opportunity. You think, well, I can't be used. My, my world is wrecked. Man, I've done some bad stuff and, and, and I've really gone a wrong way. But you know, the Bible promises that Jesus can restore anything that's been broken. Did you know that the Bible is clear and it's truth that anything that is messed up, that is that you think is wrong, that you think is crooked, God said, you know what? I love you for who you are and I created you that way so that you will have a testimony to reach a thousands of generations to come. God's got a plan to raise up leaders. You may not feel like a leader. You may not feel like you're doing something right. You may not feel like you're 100%, but guess what? We're all meant to... Sp- to spread the word of God so that moment of judgment doesn't come up. (gasps) Just let the word sink into your heart. The importance of spreading the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And you say, well, well, how do I know? How do I, how do I know? And I'm going to answer that. And, and I, and I want you to write this down is how do, how do I know that I believe you know, how do I know? The, the Bible says in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So, so that's what we got to do. We got to believe in God. But, but then you turn to James two nineteen, And this is what the Bible says. It says, You believe that there is one God. Even the demons believe that. Even the demons believe that. Well, but John 3, uh, what if I told you there's a difference than believing and truly believing? That all day I could walk this place and say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. I, and I'm going through my, my hallways at work and I'm going through my school and I'm, going, I'm walking through my house and man, yeah, I'm a Christian, I got it. I got it, it's on point. Or what about the people that are overseas and, and, they're, and, and they're, they're searching, they're trying to build churches and build foundations to bring up leaders and they're saying, you know what, I believe in Jesus and he's gonna do this and he's just using me to do it. God can do that same thing here where we're at. There's a difference between proclaiming and saying, you know what, I'm a Christian, than actually living it. Understand the difference. 
So I'm going to ask you, do you truly believe? Paul has given us most of the, the New Testament, great writer. He's someone that, that many of you may say, you know what, that's a, that's a fantastic man of God. That, that literally Paul uh, w- was a complete sinner living in a place of a complete destructed life and, and was brought to Jesus and was completely healed and set free from all of his brokenness, set free from all of his bondage and changed his life. And Paul said this, I will devote my life to the word of God. I will go anywhere I have to go. I will do anything I have to do to spread his love because it completely changed me and turned me around. That's what you're meant to do. That's what you're meant to do. There was nothing extraordinary about Paul besides the fact that he got Jesus and he said, you know what, I'm on fire and I'm lighting up everyone around me and I'm gonna light up cities and I'm gonna light up villages and I don't care what they do to me because I know God's on my side. He's got a plan and he said that he will do something to those that they will be separated from him. And that's a hard thing to grasp and a hard thing to know. But Paul says this, that he is unashamed of the gospel because it's the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Get it out your mind that someone can't be saved. Get out your mind, he's just too far gone. Well, she's just living a terrible life and Anyone that catches the fire of Jesus, their life can be restored, turned completely around. And they can plant churches. They can plant ministries. They can speak life. They can grow leaders. They can change a generation. They can break those curses, generational curses that are on their family. God's got a plan, but he needs you to say this. I truly believe. Paul teaches this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Through 10. This is what it says. It says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. He promises that. That's what Paul's speaking. He's saying it's a heart change. And guess what? When that heart changes, you can't shut up about it. Paul went into cities. He went into villages, and he was beaten. And he was put in prison. They'd beat him and lock him up. And he'd say, you know what? I'm still going to preach. Jesus, let me out of here. You know, you just got to lock me up. And they'd they'd let Paul go. And they'd say, well, you need to get out of here. He'd say, that's fine. Unlock me. I'm going to go speak the word. I'm not afraid. Too many of us get in situations where we feel persecuted and we compromise the word of God. Well, I just believe in Jesus. What if that picture of Paul going around, speaking God's word, planting churches, going to these villages, going wherever he had to go, people locking him up, beating him, and him saying, you know what? You can beat me till I die, but I'm unashamed of the gospel and I'll continue to speak it because I know that it's the power that can save everyone. God, give me that spirit. Give me that strength to run. Give me that strength that's willing to go. Give me the unashamed boldness to step out and say, you know what? I'm tired of calling myself a Christian. I'm actually gonna live it and do something to further the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the power that God has placed inside of you that you have no clue? 
You say, man, I get into my word daily. Continue to do that. That's how you grow spiritually and stronger. But pay attention to God's word. It's all about taking it in and pouring it out. Taking it in, pouring it out. Taking it in, pouring it out. Raising up a generation. Raising up leaders around you. Building ministry. God has called you to do that. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed for God to show you his glory. Because when he does, you'll be set on fire and you'll be able to run. And everything around you will light up. Everything around you will change. Every bit of your struggle, you won't struggle anymore. Some people, it's hard to grasp the gospel, but to understand just saying that you believe is different from you believing and living it. So let's rewind to Matthew chapter 7 and these people Jesus is talking about his people who believed with their head and not their heart. They believed in their mind, man, I got this thing. But it wasn't in their heart. This is disgusting, but we can't just wake up every morning and pull our chest apart and grab our heart out and say, well, there's belief in there. I got it for the day. We can't just pop up in our brain and pull our brain out and say, well, it's written in there too, so we're good. Our anatomy doesn't allow us to do that. But there's a difference between believing with your mind, believing in your head, and not believing in your heart. Having the heart of Jesus. And you say, well, how do I know? How do I know I, know I believe in my heart? How do I know that? How do, since I can't pull my heart out, since, since I can't pull it out and look and, and actually physically see, how do I know? And I'm going to answer that. And it takes us back to a story in eight feet, 1859. And it's about a man named the great... Blondini. The story will explain and how you know, how you just know that you know that that the faith is there, that that you believe in your heart, that that you know. The great Blondini, I can't pronounce his first name, his real name, so this is what they called him. But he was an incredible daredevil. He had the guts to do just about anything that would draw a, cl- a crowd. He would do whatever it takes to get a rise out of people. He was willing to take the greatest risk you can even imagine at what they had at 1859. He came to this great place called the Niagara Falls, and he did this. He took a rope, and he stretched it 300 foot wide across the Niagara Falls. And and thousands and thousands and thousands of people showed up. And they were cheering him on. And you can go on the Niagara Falls website and read about the great Blondini. This is true. I didn't make it up. But he stretched this cable all the way across. And, and the crowd is cheering him on. Man, yeah, you can do it. And really, they wanted to see him fall or something crazy. Because they didn't have harnesses like we have now. And those kind of I mean, it was 1859. And he says this. He, he goes to step out. and But man, it's not that sturdy. It's not. It's not. Bring me a wheelbarrow. And he takes the wheelbarrow and he puts it on it. And he says, you know what? I got this. Crowd's going nuts. The wind's blowing 60 miles an hour. The, the water from the waterfall is blowing all over him, making it slick. And 300 foot across, 130 foot high, one step at a time, he makes it all the way across. Crowd's going nuts. 
without hesitation, the great Blondini turns around, puts the wheelbarrow back on, and walks back from where he started. Crowd is going nuts. And he asked them, he said, For a third time, do you believe that I can walk across this? Do you believe that I can walk across this cable one more time? And the crowd is going nuts. I mean, complete nuts, screaming, yelling. They want him to go again, and, and, he, and he tries to calm them down. And he says this. He says, raise your hands if you believe that I can go, that I can make it across. If you believe, raise your hands. I don't, and this crowd's still cheering on. They lift their hands, and they're cheering them on. Great Blondini, you can make it. You got this. Let's see you do it. We want to see you go all the way across 300 foot, and they're cheering them on. And he says, Do you truly believe? And they're jumping up and down with their hands. And he says this. He says, if you truly believe, get in the wheelbarrow. And all their hands went down. So when I asked you to sit to your neighbor and say, get in the wheelbarrow, because it's an image in your mind of saying, you know what, God? What you've told me to walk on, it looks unstable. It looks nowhere near as sturdy as it needs to be. And God said, I'm not telling you to walk across it. I want you to get in the wheelbarrow and allow me to move you across it. And if it takes me walking you 300 foot and 130 foot high, and I turn you around and I bring you all the way back, you don't have to worry about the day that judgment comes to think, for a moment, he'll say, good and faithful servant, come into my house. I love you for who you are. 